Hello everyone, I'm Ben Wrights, and unfortunately the recording of this episode was hijacked. Now, there have been way too many recording issues on the show at this point, and I'd like to first say that this won't happen again, because I'm going to record future episodes on my laptop to have backup recordings. I've already done this with episode 11, and it seems to work just fine. Uh, so episodes 7 and 8 have corrupted audio because WTOR was having some trouble with the old recording system, so they implemented a new automatic recording system. Unfortunately, this recording system is now having problems, which is pretty annoying, especially because there's a lot of work put into this episode. Uh, so this should be the last time I have to redo an episode. I'd like to thank John Horn for being a great guest on the episode when it aired live. And now I'd, I'd like to get into conspiracy mode, because who knows, maybe this episode was sabotaged because its contents contain uh, stuff that NASA didn't want you to see. Who knows? I want to read off a quote from Bob Dylan. Quote, a hero is someone who understands the responsibility that comes with his freedom. End quote. Now, often in conspiracy theories, we focus on the conspirators, like bird manufacturers, government spooks at Area 51, and of course, NASA. But this episode, I'd like to focus on those who risked everything to reveal the truth that was being covered up. Those who understood they had the responsibility of freedom, just like Bob Dylan said. Disclaimer, this podcast is satire and for entertainment purposes only. We are not actually conspiracy theorists, and this podcast is also not affiliated with Taylor University, nor does it reflect their views. Now, back to the conspiracies. So today we'll be talking about the heroes of conspiracy theories. Now the first one we'll cover could be interpreted a few different ways, and we'll get to who could be the hero in the story at the end. Now I've covered this conspiracy before, uh, but I have some new information on it. So quick note, I covered this conspiracy in episode 6, but I recapped it on the live broadcast for this episode, mainly because I wanted a live version of it to be recorded, but since that didn't work out, I'm going to just reuse the re-recorded segment from that episode. You can skip to the timestamp at the 6 minute mark to get to the new information if you're already familiar. This is because the UK royal family is actually covering up the fact that she was assassinated. Now her assassin was also the same person who killed her husband, Prince Philip. In March 2021, it was reported that Prince Philip had arrived home after a hospital stay. On Twitter.com, the American YouTuber Jay Schlatt replied, I reckon April will be an interesting month. And on April 9, Prince Philip died, with the cause of death, old age. Afterwards, Schlatt responded to the situation by saying, my bad. He then moved his sights onto Queen Elizabeth II. He made several jokes alluding to the Queen's eventual demise. This Queen Liz fellow looks at her watch. Is she counting down the the time she has left? Queen has so much time left. That's why she checks I, well, the watch. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue that much. I'd say March 11th, 2022, will be an interesting day. While the Queen did not die on March 11th, she did not attend the Commonwealth Day service that day, which she'd only missed twice in the last 30 years. Possibly, she had missed it for her own safety. Additionally, Schlatt made this joke as well. I'd probably say the queen is the, the queen is up there. You know, the fact that she just doesn't die. It's really impressive. You know when she dies, I get 3 days off school. I know. It it's like a national thing. But I I hate to break it to you, Tommy, but uh, you know, on 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 September 23rd, you might have 3 days off. 
Wait, what? Yeah, September 23rd. Obviously, Schlatt knew he had to throw off everyone from the correct date. These false dates, though, contained clues to the real date. Schlatt killed Prince Philip on April 9th, and the ninth month of the year is September. He alluded to the Queen dying in March and September, the third and ninth months of the year. Three added to nine is twelve. When you subtract four for April, the fourth month, you get the eighth. Therefore, he left clues that he would assassinate the Queen on September 8th. In a tweet on that fateful day, he wrote, Autumn is so great. I love when the leaves start to change. It's like I always say, in with the new, out with the old. Of course, there are two well-known tweets from Schlatt on September 8th that are proof of this conspiracy. The first reads, On my way home from the UK. Love that place. Two hours later, he said, Rip, Queen Elizabeth. I want to reiterate they had absolutely nothing to do with this. Now, why was Schlatt, a personality who has made countless jokes about the Queen's death, in the UK at the exact time she died? The reason why is because Schlatt is an American, and there's only one reason that Americans go to the UK, to kill the royal family. Shortly after, Schlatt released a short video called My Statement Regarding Recent Events. Hello, everybody. I know this looks really, really bad. But I swear to you, you have to believe me that I had nothing to do with this. Please do not send any men to my door because I will not be opening it. I had nothing to do. Now, even though it looked like we had all the pieces, there was still a big question in this conspiracy. Specifically, how was Shalat able to get in the UK and near the Queen? The Queen was clearly aware of the threat that Jay Shalat presented. She would have known Prince Philip's real cause of death, and she had also missed the Commonwealth Day service on March 11 to avoid the potential threat. So the mystery was how did Jay Shalat manage to get into the England to the Queen and manage to escape? I think he had help. I think he had an accomplice. And I think that accomplice was no other than President David Michael Lindsay. Now, I have some evidence for this. You see, one day at floor dinner, I was discussing the subject. I can't remember who was there, but I remember someone recalled that last semester, there was a UK trip that Taylor's president, D. Mike, went on. Now, the Queen was assassinated last semester, which means that D. Mike would have also been in the UK at the time. I just also want to note that John Horn. He did note that all British people were likely in the UK at the time too, so there is some suspicion on their end. With this information, it only makes sense that D-Mike used this trip to smuggle Jay Shalat into the UK and close enough to the Queen, and then, after Jay Shalat had completed his mission, D-Mike helped him escape. John said that he didn't quite remember a UK trip last fall semester and asked if I had any evidence of it happening. I searched for records, but I couldn't find any, so it's possible they were covered up. However, I did find another source for this UK trip. It was revealed to me in a dream. John said that made total sense. Now, I mentioned there were several ways to interpret the hero of this conspiracy theory, and I think I can sympathize with all the angles of this. You could also see me as a hero for being the one who uncovered the truth of this conspiracy, although there really is no way to say it without sounding like I have a superiority complex. 
You could look at it one way and say Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth II were the heroes of the story, since they were the victims of the conspiracy. You could also look at Jay Schlatt and D. Mike as the heroes in this conspiracy, because the British might have had it coming. Specifically, because of British quote-unquote food. Now, I like beans, I like toast, but they do not go together. Beans on toast, unholy creation. And I know people might bring up fish and chips, but that's bad too, because the textures are do not match. Because chips chips are crunchy, and if my French, if my fish, fish is crunchy too, that's not good. Every time I do more research on British quote-unquote food, I am more disgusted. Apparently one British dessert is Yorkshire pudding. You know what a Yorkshire terrier is? A dog. That's dog pudding. That's awful. Another dessert? Shepherd's pie. That's cannibalism. And why do they want to eat shepherds specifically? Now, you might think I have a grudge against British quote-unquote food, and that's true, but it's because British quote-unquote food has a grudge against me, and my sense of taste, but also me. I've actually had a near-death experience with British quote-unquote food. That's how bad it is. So I was eating with my family at Payne's Restaurant nearby, and I have a nut allergy. So when I got the soup of the day, I asked if the soup had nuts, and they said it didn't, but it did. Probably some kind of conspiracy to silence me, but it didn't work because it's going to take more than some British quote-unquote food to take me down. Although if I ever become president, the first thing I do is ban all British quote-unquote food after making golf illegal and replacing it with mini-golf. John Horn and I then had a moment of silence for all British people who every day are forced to eat British food. Anyways, that's one conspiracy and the heroes of it. Now, there are several other heroes of conspiracies I want to know. There's Roger Patterson, who filmed Bigfoot in 1967 and was heartlessly accused of being a con man by his friends. There's the founder of the organization Birds Aren't Real, Peter McIndoe, an activist dedicated to spreading the truth about birds, or a bureaucratic incognito reconnaissance drone surveillance. There's Bob Lazar, an Area 51 whistleblower, who was accused of lying about MIT and Caltech and working at Area 51 just because the records didn't match up, when he had actually definitely graduated those two universities with master's degrees to reverse engineer alien spacecraft. And then he was also targeted by the U.S. government just for smuggling illegal chemicals. But we're going to look at one specific hero of a conspiracy, and the reason why is this hero is one who has called on the show before and has agreed to an interview. To catch everyone up, I'm going to play a quick clip recapping his calls with us. Hello. I'm calling from, from Area 51. The truth is, you are totally right about everything, including the birds. Just call me. I want you to know that he has been fired, and, and everything he has said is a lie, okay? I was just messing with you. Oh, thanks for letting me know. Do you work at, uh, NASA? No. Oh, okay. Um, Neither does Robert. Okay. Any more? At all. Ever. <laughs> it was fake. Okay, got it. It was... It was... 
much lost, lost job there for my bravery in confirming your research. Yes, yes. This Roger you're speaking to, how do we even know he exists? Because you can hear him and there's really dark and mysterious music in the background, and that means his claims are even more true. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Hey, you're on the air. Yeah, this is Roger from Area 51 again. Uh, I'm in real big trouble. They're, they're chasing me out of the headquarters. I've got some documents and I'm on a high-speed chase. They're, they're trying to get me and we're trying to get away. But she, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. They got the black helicopters out. You can't get, get away in the black helicopter. Ah. Oh my goodness. No, Roger, Roger. Roger. Now because the original audio was lost, I'll have to describe what happened next. The phone then rang after that clip ended. We picked up and heard mysterious music in the background and began to interview Roger. Roger mentioned that he had been on the run from NASA ever since he had been fired. And that, quote, that train that crashed in Ohio, I won't say anything else. We asked him if he could tell us anything about his work history at Area 51. Roger responded that he was the head of cleanliness operations, an important job that consisted of making sure surfaces were disinfected and avoiding the spread of human and alien diseases. Now, we also asked him about mystical objects at Area 51, such as Windows 9, a USB drive that always plugs in on the first try, and even the toothpaste that 10 out of 10 dentists recommend. We asked if he could tell us about any particular paranormal objects that were being hidden at Area 51 that stood out to him. Roger told us Area 51 was home to a large bird factory, which was used to create government drones disguised as birds. We also asked Roger if there are any other areas besides Area 51, and if there was anything that we could learn from him about them. He said that there were at least 50 other areas that existed. He said he didn't know too much, but he had heard to never go to Area 14, and he heard that Area 30 is where Area 51 officers go to vacation. We asked him if there's anything he could tell us about NASA's involvement in Area 51. Roger said that NASA knew that my show was a danger to their secrecy long before Area 51 did, and that they ordered Area 51 technicians to intercept the recordings of my show to destroy or corrupt them and stop the truth. They initially had a team of 36 technicians, but that team had grown to around 50 by the time he was fired. Clearly, this team has been successful, considering I'm re-recording the show right now. We also asked him if there is anything about the aliens. We asked him if he had ever talked with an alien before. Roger said that the term was a little inaccurate because aliens used telepathy to communicate, and would usually allow you to read their thoughts and then read yours instead of talking. He did say, though, that he had communicated with aliens before. We asked him what diplomatic relations looked like between Area 51 and the aliens. Roger said that there was currently some tension, and both Area 51 and the aliens are worried about Conspiracy Cabin revealing their secrets. We asked if he had ever worked on any experiments with aliens, Roger said he'd rather not talk about the subject. A 
According to official U.S. documents on Area 51, the base is the size of a small town with housing for workers and even amenities such as a gym, a movie theater, and even a baseball field. We asked if he could confirm if aliens have, had ever played baseball before. Roger revealed that baseball was actually an alien sport, not invented by humans, and that's why Alien Area 51 had a baseball field. He said that baseball had spread among humans from Area 51. John commented that it made sense because baseball didn't really feel like a sport invented by humans. We also asked him if he could confirm that aliens had watched any movies at the theater, what movies they watched, and what they thought about them. Roger said that the aliens loved seeing movies and that it was one of the main reasons they went to Earth. Roger noted that they had really liked seeing the short film Justice for Batman. He also said that aliens really loved Star Wars and the reason was it's because George Lucas is actually an alien. Some aliens actually disguised themselves and stayed integrated in human society and George Lucas wanted to become an alien filmmaker. And the stories he told in Star Wars were stories from his home planet that likely were true. Roger also noted that Queen Elizabeth II was likely an alien, which could explain why she lived so long, as aliens have longer lifespans. We thanked Roger for answering his questions and took some more calls. One call went like this. Well, this is your sponsor. Did you forget about me? You're supposed to be plugging my products right now. Oh, right, guys. Well, because this is a historic interview, I had to get a very real sponsor to fund this episode, and this was the only business who'd take the deal. Do you want to do the ad? Sure, I'll do this one, but it'll be up to you to do the ad spots after. Now, listeners, as you might know, the apocalypse is nigh, and you'll need to stock up for the end times while you still can. Now, some people buy silver, a lot of people buy gold, but the real thing you'll need if society crumbles is rare jewels. At the gem times, the time to buy gemstones is now, before the end times, or you'll be out of time. We can also buy jewels from you if you think you don't need them. Just remember to send us a schematic of their location, then leave the jewels there when you come to discuss business with us. Remember, send us their location, leave them there, and then come to meet us. Where can we find your business? Oh, you know where to find me. The gem times. Gems until and after the end. Another call was from NASA, and they denied all allegations and insisted Roger might not even be a real person. We were also called by someone who said they were from Haynes Restaurant, who unsuccessfully tried to defend British quote-unquote food. We were also called again by the sponsor of the episode. Hey, it's been five minutes since you advertised the products. Remember what I'm paying you for. You've got an entire $5 on the line. After that point, we ended the show. Uh, sorry we didn't have the recording. I'm so disappointed with all the recording issues the show had had. There shouldn't be many more, though. I hope anyone who wasn't there at least enjoyed this recap, and I'll see you in the next episode.